is a long bumper. Okay. All right. All right. How'd you like the bumper music? Who was that from? Who made that? Scratch Bastard. I don't know what that means. <laughs> He's a uh, a DJ. He won the like international DJ tournament. You know, you'll probably know him um, f- as the DJ who scratched the Imperial March to win. Do 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 do. I don't know that. You ever heard that? Well, I've I've heard the the. the st- that's the Star Wars. DJ point? scratch the Imperial no. March. Uh, he won the international contest and international scratching contest. Yeah, yeah. And he was one of the best in the world. And uh, I sent him some Nechayach records, and he sent me that back. Really? Yeah. That, that's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I because I'm I was listening to it like well, that's definitely like the Nechayach. It's Nechayach. Yeah, dudes in the background there, and then you have the that the samples and. The beat and the rhythm and stuff. It's really, really, really cool. It was playing in the background there. Yeah. See, he does a little. Yeah. Yeah. That's just nice. I want to listen to all in the face like this. But he only took one foul, and he did it over and over again. Because this is Ochenato. Which is actually, I think, from Nechayach 1, which you see I have two copies from Nechayach 1 over there. There, there were two releases of Nechayach Volume 1, the oh. red and the yellow, so I have both of them there. Chaim Kohn uh, collects vinyl. He gave me those. He donated those to the Soulward Studio. Amazing. Anyways, yeah. Did the, this person, this artist who did this, did, did he, were you aware of any connection he had to Jewish music or anything? It's no, just, no. You just reached out and you... I just sent him some Nechayah and he did it. And said, what can you do with this? And he sent me this back. That's amazing. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah, we'll keep this up here just to be able to play it if we, if we need an intermission, musical interlude or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. welcome back for part two of Blood Brothers Live. We had, um, yesterday we had Blood, Blood Brothers Live part one. We didn't know it was part one. We thought it was just Blood Brothers Live. Yeah, but now I'm here again. So everyone should know why you're in uh, New York right now. I am in New York for the the Chidon Sefer Mitzvahs that my mm-hmm. daughter uh, did learn for many, many months Sefer Mitzvahs. In depth, and like with um, along with thousands of other children across the world. Yes, and um, and she got placed high enough and, and did well enough that she She's was competing. able to participate. Participate. In, participate in the this uh, trip and program and gathering of all of these kids. Who this is like the payoff for. So we want to wish much hatzlacha to Shana Bracha Taub in her. Uh, 
learning of Sefer Mitzvahs and her competing yes. and, and squashing the competition. Very proud of her. Yes. Okay, so uh, beloved David. Oh, that's nice. Well, that's what your name means. It does. David means beloved. So I've known for a long time also that 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 you could call me dude, and that would right. be an appropriate pronunciation of my name. Right. Dalid. Dalid is dude. I realized recently. I'm this. I'm I'm gonna reveal my ignorance, but for those of you who who are familiar with it, how do in Israel how do they refer to DVDs? Is it DVD in English? Do oh, they use how do they refer to DVDs? Thank God that technology is becoming phased out because I'm sure it caused a lot of confusion in Israel. But it would still it would it would probably be Dalid. I don't know. Would it be Dalid Vase Dalid? Yeah. Well, probably be Bet or Vet. Right. Yeah. They say it like that. Thank you. And now I feel foolish. Yeah. Like Dudu Fisher. He's a David. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, because it's uh, Dalad, but and it, and 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 it means beloved, and it means uncle. You know what dude also means? What oh. a pot. Okay. In in what language? It, uh, in the base of Mikdush, there was it was there when was... they cut the Nazar's hair. They throw it under the dude. Oh yeah, yeah, the dude. It's a pot. Okay, I didn't know that. I should have known that. Yeah. And it's spelled Dalad. Yeah. That is something I should have known about my name. Yeah. Beloved David. Yeah, beloved David. Like, like, died. Like, Anila died, even died, Lee. How do you know it doesn't say Anila Davidi? Well, I think it does. That's the, the Cree and the Ksiv? Yeah. The Cree is Anila Davidi? Anila Davidi, with Davidi Lee. Isidus Delayla, Isidus Lasata. I'm to my David, and my David is to me. That's beautiful. You have to See, it's much nicer. You call me beloved David. I sometimes call you Spacey Shacy. That's not nice. But it's not nice. It's not. It's not nice. It's mean. I shouldn't actually call. It's probably actually like Aser Al Pishocholarach to call you that because mm-hmm. you don't like it. I don't like it. Well, I don't hate it. It's not, it's okay. and it's, it's not. It's not. It's not. It doesn't have anything to do with your actual name. With the the right. Doesn't. It's not connected to the meaning of shapes. Not connected to the entomology of right. your name. And it's not. I said a, entomology on purpose. Right. So the callback from yesterday. Right, and it's not something that it, you could say is so random that you're just saying it because it rhymes. It actually is a characteristic of mine. That I've been. Uh, You're a th- very deep thinker. Yeah, well, that's, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I am sometimes a deep thinker, and uh, sometimes I'm in my own world, and I do get accused. Sometimes it makes me feel very bad, actually. People think I'm um, being socially unavailable or rude, yeah. or they're like, oh, I saw that guy. He was so dismissive. No, I wasn't dismissive. I, I didn't see you. Didn't you notice that after I walked past you, I bumped into the candy machine? <laughs> like, you didn't notice that part? Like, you, you also didn't see that my shoelaces were untied? I mean, yeah. I've had that a lot. People come up to me and be like, you know, I had to work so many Yom Kippers. I'm forgiving you. For, for, snubbing, for, for snubbing them and you didn't even realize it happened. <laughs> We're thinking about Atsilas. 
It's an old joke. Guy says, the other day my wife says to me, are you even listening to me? Which I thought was a very strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. I, I like jokes about, about, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I, I was going to make a joke about, about like, oh, it's so funny jokes about, about unhappy marriages and yeah. women being unheard. But then it's like, no, it's not even, I didn't even want to make a joke about it. You don't want to make a joke about it. Yeah. Okay. Too soon. Too soon, like if you would wait a while. Too soon? Yeah. Like there's no one event that it would be too soon That's for. what I was told, that when things are inappropriate. It's, it's, <laughs> it's because soon. it's too soon? Yeah. Right. That's not the only but reason it, to joke. No, maybe technically if something is happening every single like, day. Can I ask you a question? After Mashiach comes. Right. How long do we have to wait and, and before like the, we can the make... the prophet says, on that day I will thank you, Hashem, for having acted angrily toward me. Eid Hashem Hashem enough to be. So how many days into the Gula Shlema will it take before everything is comic fair? No, how I, many days? I'm asking Rabbi. The anger, the anger will go away, and we will no longer it, it be. It will no longer cause us pain. Keep talking while I talk yeah. So, all right. So Mashiach's going to come, as you just stated from some verse or saying that I'm unfamiliar verse. with. I don't know uh, that that we will our we will forgive. God and will no longer be angry. So it should then be okay to joke about. Like ev- you're saying everything, the most awful things, the all most, the pain. The craziest, worst through. things that have happened in Gullis, you'll Will there come a point where you'll be able to joke about it? And w- at what point, how long will that take? Okay, I'll let you think about that. So, beloved David, as I was saying, and you are beloved by many. Thank you. We got a lot of feedback yesterday from your fans. Oh, yeah? And I think they love you. Was that puppeteering? Yeah. I was... You know that beloved David is a professional puppeteer. I am. David, are you comfortable on live YouTube sharing a little bit about the viper's nest <laughs> that is the world? You're laughing already, but I'm quite serious. The world of professional puppeteering. Because you've been begrudgingly invited into that world because you are an established uh, professional puppeteer for decades, actually. You Mm -hmm. make your own puppets and perform. Not everybody does both. You're a a double trouble. And uh, do you want to talk about the puppeteering world? Uh, Well, I I will say that I am... I have had trouble... Uh, uh, yes, it, it is a, w- a weird niche community yeah. that, like many others that I am part of, uh, that just because of, of strange interests that I have, and sometimes yeah. those those worlds overlap, and sometimes they don't, and it's it's hard for me to navigate any type of social situation. Right. So, well, the point is, I'm not very good at it. I'm not very good at participating in that community. Uh-huh. And, and uh, do they have like picnics and they get together? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm really not involved, and I I I will say just at the time that the amount that I've tried to like dabble my foot into being yeah. active in in that community has yeah. not been successful. You've not been successful in winning their hearts. No. So you're not beloved in the puppeteering community. <laughs> I am not beloved in the puppeteering community. Mm. Okay. 
Could you share with everyone? You were telling me the other day about your, um, is it too harsh a word to say your uh, disdain? For ventriloquists? For ventriloquists and ventriloquism. All right. I, I want to first start by saying that I know certainly just because every every um, every rule has an exception. So there must be some every ventriloquist out there who is a good guy. Yes, he's a sweetheart of a man. I recently and maybe you should start by telling me that you felt that Senior Wences was Senior a Senior Wences. I really really like, and I'll explain why eventually once I explain what I don't right. like about ventriloquism acts, then I can explain okay. why. Senior I feel Wences awesome. was a Spanish. Yes, actually Spanish, not. Spanish, like he was from Spain, right? I believe so, yes. Not Spanish, like in New York. They're well, f- anybody who speaks Spanish. Right, like they're called Dominican Spanish. Right. You don't go to the Spanish guy. I mean, right. the, the Dominican guy, right? Everyone's, everyone speaks Spanish, it's called Spanish. Would it be like calling uh, an American of any ethnicity English? <laughs> be about that accurate. Um yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll so but he was really Spanish. Now and now, yes. now that I said it three times, I really pray Senor Wences was Spanish and not some <laughs> something else. Let's find out, Roca. I think he was from Spain. I think I was, do think he was. I think he was from Spain. Senor Wences, the great Spanish puppeteer. Where did he get his big break? On uh, Ed Sullivan. I'm I'm not going to go through. He was from that era. He was from that era. I don't know if that was his big break, but he was definitely very popular on the Ed Sullivan. He was popular on the Ed Sullivan show. Um, Yeah, Spanish ventriloquist. Yes, Spanish, not just Spanish language from the actual country of. So it's the English language ventriloquist. I mean, I've never seen it. Have you ever heard Senor Wences in Spanish? No, I haven't either. I wonder even if it would have the same effect because a, a, a big part of it was the accent. Maybe when he performed in Spanish, he did an American accent. Maybe. All right, so I, so part of my preface here before I bash ventriloquism. How do you spell Wences? W-E-N-C-E-S. The W? I don't think that. I don't. That's not even a Spanish way du- of spelling things. W? <laughs> it exists, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So. Yeah, yeah, that's what it says on Wikipedia. Okay. Um, but so, somebody actually reached out to me recently because because people sometimes email me or message me about with puppetry questions or uh, puppeteering questions and how to build puppets and whatnot. And somebody was asking me about, about a ventriloquism act that they were uh, developing, mm-hmm. and I I told them how I don't like ventriloquism, but. Like, but said, you know, that you could definitely go, go be the ventriloquist that, that, that's not like that, you know, like Mm -hmm. you could do that. Great. You know? All right. So here's what I don't like about ventriloquism. You got a bone to pick. I got a bone to pick with ventriloquist, which which is ironic because that's, that's what I'm criticizing them for is being, being confrontational and And hostile, hostile. Now you're being confrontational. But that's the thing is ventriloquists, if you notice, are always. That most ventriloquism acts are the ventrilo- the, the, the ventriloquist and the dummy fighting right. with each other. Dummy is not a insult, that's, but that's one of the tropes of almost every ventriloquist act. I'm not the dummy. You're the dummy. Right. I think that's an actual Albert Brooks routine. I'm not the dummy. You're the dummy. Albert Brooks isn't a ventriloquist. Albert Brooks did a ventriloquism parody where he screams at his dummy and says, "I'm not the dummy. You're the dummy." <laughs> okay. Um, 
I'm just trying to figure where the line is between parody and satire. Could you say somebody is satirizing ventriloquism, mm-hmm. or it's a parody of ventriloquism? Probably is satirizing, yeah. I don't know the difference. I think satire has to have some type of political message. Parody is where you're imi- Okay, if I remember correctly, parody is where you're imitating the style of something. Satire is you're not having fun imitating the style of something. You are making fun of an actual object of derision, usually of political or social import. So if somebody uses the style of something in it could order be parody and a satire. satire. You could be satirizing. parodying one thing while satirizing another thing. Or, or satirizing and parodying the same thing. Right. Like you can do a parody. Like let's say you imitate a certain genre of music. So you're going to make a fake polka. And you're, it's a parody of polka. You're not making fun of polka but the lyrics of the polka song could be making fun of uh lek valenza right and you're using a, a polka song to do so uh, actually one of the requirements i believe the 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 copyright law on parodies is really gray and it's like there's no no surefire way to make a parody that is legally safe somebody could always come after you but Generally, the law, as far as I know, the laws are that um, I believe you have to be commenting on the original work in some way. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and I think that that's always interesting. Like that's the le- the legal requirement. And for me, I I because I, I I sometimes will do stylistic parodies right. of things, and right. that's a. a I think a good creative requirement as well. Yeah. The reason why it's a legal requirement is like, are you just using this artist's song to put your own lyrics to because you don't because it's a catchy song and you like it? Right. So you can't call that a parody. That's it's not called, a parody. It's a ripoff. That you're just stealing the song just and putting different lyrics to it. Right. But so you have to have original thought and commentary and be be interacting and con- in conversation with the original work, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. Um, and that's a, I think that's a good creative bar to set as well. Mm-hmm. Um, why were we talking about this? All right, we're going back to ventriloquists. So ventriloquists they fight with their with their puppets a lot. Power struggle. Power struggle. And the reason why I think that is is because another feature of ventriloquists is that most puppeteers hide under a table or hide under the frame of the 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 camera. Right? Or they wear all black. Or they wear all What's black. What's that Japanese form of puppetry? I don't know how to pronounce it properly, and I don't Say it poorly. I'll, it's spelled B-U-N-R-A-K-U. What? B-U-N-R-A-K-U. And you don't want to say... I don't, I, I don't want to mispronounce a the Japanese word. A Japanese word? A Japanese word, because I, like, I, I, just, I don't want to butcher a word I don't know how to say. Okay. Would, but that's where they wear, wear black. Yes. And they hide. Against and the black and yeah, and they're on a black backdrop, and then you can move like a lot of um, all the limbs of the character, and it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So, but the hiding is a big part of puppetry. That's not kabuki theater. I don't know what that is. It's another form of Japanese theater. Um, but yeah, but but, but uh, I would say like a, most puppeteers. One of the defining hide themselves features the whole of art of puppeteering, of puppeteering is that you hide and your artwork takes center stage. Right. Yes. Whereas a ventriloquist gets up there on stage with his puppet and interacts with it in front of everybody. Yes. 
so I feel like Ventriloquist is a puppeteer who is emotionally unable insecure to hide. You can't hide. Can't give up the spotlight to the puppet. And therefore, when they both do get up on stage, they end up fighting with each other. Because and that's why every ventriloquist act is a power struggle with... Because essentially that's what it is. It's the puppeteer wanting the stage, but knowing that, but also wanting to, to do puppetry and therefore give the puppet the stage, but not wanting to give up the stage, and then it's a fight. I will say this, by the way, that in, that in, the, uh, in the 2000s, it became I won't I don't I don't know if it was never done before, but it became popular. There was a there was a, a popular musical that used puppetry and the puppeteers were all completely visible on stage. Mm-hmm. The sets were elevated just like for if you don't know when you do uh, like TV and film puppetry, like like live puppetry, you have like a little puppet theater. But for TV and film, usually what you do is you have elevated sets, sets on stilts. So the puppeteers are standing up. Instead of having to be squatting or kneeling, right? So you're standing completely up. So instead, of your arm gets tired. You have the elevated set. So this musical had had all of that, and yeah. the puppeteers were standing up and walking around and puppeteering, but they weren't concealed in any way, right? And it didn't, but it didn't take away. They now they weren't part of the show. They you weren't just have to learn how to look past. But it, it wasn't distracting. I actually felt like that was kind of uh, like. Mashiachtik, Elum Habaish, right? Is that that usually, traditionally, if you see the the puppeteer that's bringing the puppet right. to life, it breaks the illusion. You're no longer able to perceive right. the puppet. That's what it says in Shari Yichud Vemuna in Perek Gimel at the end that if you would see the Dvar Hashem, that is Mahave, the Nivra, if you would see Hashem's speech, which is speaking everything into being, you wouldn't see that thing anymore. Right? You'd only be able to see. Right. You'd only see the the source instead of the 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 illusion of the independent creation, and what you're saying this is like right. that you're able to see that there's a puppeteer and and yet you can see the puppet at the same time. Right, you so see creator and creation. Ten years prior in the nineties, so the, the only way a performer and a, and a puppet are being on the same stage together is if, is they if fight with each calling each other. each other dummies. Right, right. But now we're getting closer to Mashiach, and you can show the puppeteer, right. and the puppeteer allows the puppet to And still... they also, by the way, they're not, they're, the, those puppeteers were not ventriloquists. You could see their mouths moving. You could see everything that they were right. doing to vivify this puppet. That's tremendous. And yet it, it, the illusion still worked. People were still captivated by the, by the characters. And why the do you give Senior Wences a pass? Senior Wences, I feel, was very generous. And I, first of all, he was loving and caring with his puppets. Mm-hmm. Like I think, if if you watch his act, he's he. There are there are there are moments where he's arguing with with puppets right. a lot. It's but like, he's very gentle and paternal. But he's very gentle and paternal, and also part of the shtick is he's got characters that like he's got a face in a box, right? And he's got another character he puts down sometimes because they got the characters made out of his hand, mm-hmm. and then he puts it down sometimes, right? And there's a lot of puppets in play, and mm-hmm. some of them are talking even when they're not mm-hmm. on stage. They're down, they're, the box is closed, and or the puppets put down on the table, and the puppets are still. You, he has them chime in from mm-hmm. off stage. I feel like that's generous. It's like giving them stage time even when it's like he want, he wants to share the stage. So I feel like to me that's not. Uh, it doesn't feel the same as other ventriloquist mm-hmm. acts. It feels like loving and generous.
Mm-hmm. Anything more you want me to say about ventriloquism? Mm-hmm. We're done at all. I don't know. What, what do you think about Willie Tyler, Willie Tyler and Lester? Or do you feel you don't really, you're not allowed to comment? Well, I, you know, I don't want to, to, uh, first of all, I have no idea who that is. Second of all, no, you really don't? if I'm already in trouble in hot water with the puppetry community, I'm not going to start commenting publicly on Willie other Willie Tyler was a ventriloquist. He may still be a ventriloquist. He was very popular in the 70s and the 80s, and perhaps still very popular today, and I don't want to take that away from him. Okay. If he is. Lester was the name of his dummy. Yeah, he's still around. Willie Tyler's still around. He's 81 years old. And he's still around, yeah. I will also say, by the way, that even the ventriloquists that I don't like and who I say are are are, are fighting well, with their the puppets way, and everything. P- people also a- ask, how old is Willie Tyler Lester? And the second question is. Okay. Yeah. Like. Um, right. People's you, you, um, Google searches are really crass. <laughs> Um, so yes, yeah, so I was just saying that even the ventriloquists that I don't like, they're still talented artists who have given much joy to many, many people. And, and, uh, I, I, Edgar pr- Bergen. Appreciate that. What I, all of the ventriloquists, what do I think particularly about Edgar Bergen? I haven't seen enough of, of Charlie McCarthy. Mortimer Snurd. Frankly, Charlie McCarthy and Mortimer Snurd. I'll tell you, I'm, I'm not a fan of Charlie McCarthy's politics. He ruined a lot of lives. He ruined a lot of lives. And I think it was a it was a very uh, it was a black mark on American history. Yeah, Char- Charlie, Charlie McCarthyism. I, yeah, Charlie McCarthyism was a major issue. So you know that's that's another bad mark in the ventriloquism book. Yeah, that they the Charlie McCarthy House uh, Committee on Un-American Affairs, which mm-hmm. was led by a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, it's crazy that a ventriloquist dummy would rise to such prominence. Does anyone think that's funny? Nobody thinks it's funny. <laughs> they don't know who Charlie McCarthy is. The very niche interests that, yeah. that are overlapping there. Yeah. Okay. Surely somebody must think Charlie McCarthyism is a funny thing to say. Yeah, there's probably someone out there who thinks that's a funny thing to say. Charlie McCarthyism. You know what state McCarthy was from? Iowa? Wisconsin. Good guess. Close. Close. You knew it was one of those states next to Illinois. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Wisconsin. Yep. Um, you know, you ever heard of the horror film called Magic? No. It's about a ventriloquist whose dummy tries to kill him. Okay. That seems like a, like a common trope is the scary puppet. Yeah. It is interesting to me, by the way, in general, how puppets bring a lot of people a lot of joy, and also, you know, one what of is? the first thing you think of when you think of puppets is oh, creepy puppets. 
Uh, all right. Is that the scary puppet from the horror movie? No, that's Anthony Hopkins with his scary puppet. Which one is Anthony Hopkins? Um, okay. What do you want to say about this film? Well, I think it's playing upon uh, this idea of the puppet being uh, a threat. Is that why you think puppets are creepy? Uncanny Valley, yeah. But also because they threaten the performer? Well, ventriloquist dummies, maybe, yeah. I think it's about the threat. It's like you're, you're asserting yourself as a humanoid is a threat to my humanity. So wait, are you suggesting I think then? it's similar to like a Frankenstein's monster where you have this humanoid entity which is like encroaching on what it means to be human. So are you suggesting that when the when the ventriloquists argue with their puppets and and demean the puppets and fight against them, they're not just doing it on their own behalf because they don't They're want doing to it on behalf stage. of humanity. Doing it on behalf and, of and, humanity. And I'll prove it to you, well, or I will attempt to prove it to you by drawing a parallel to another fear. And I think it's scary for the same reason. Aliens. Okay. Okay. Aliens. I'm talking about little gray doctors. And by the way, I am trying to bring in a new <laughs> audience of new Ancient viewership. aliens? Ancient astronauts. We spoke about those yesterday. Yeah, talk about like aliens, like Roswell type aliens mm-hmm. with with no mouth, and they they can slip mouth. I think they have no mouth, and they communicate telepathically. Uh, actually, um, Alpha isn't scary. Alpha is not scary, but um, unless you're a cat, it's <laughs> a great reference. Um, so uh, I wonder if we get Max Wright on this show. I, bel- I, think, I have to check something. I think he's probably available. Um, while you're looking up Max Wright. And I don't want to... And maybe see if he has the same agent as Willie Tyler, and we'll... Yeah, 2019. Oh, okay. So, I, I didn't want to say anything and make anybody sad and be, be sensationalistic, right. but Max unfortunately, Wright. Max Wright, famous for... Playing uh, Willie, Willie Tanner. Tanner. Yes. Um... So well, people are afraid of aliens. Why are they afraid of aliens? Because aliens are also humanoid, and they threaten our humanity. And therefore, when we fight the aliens, who's the we? Humanity. In fact, one of the great, if Hollywood tropes are to be believed, one of the great unifying factors that can bring all races together, all countries. This is how they should. This is what they should do with Putin. They should tell him. There's an alien there's attack. There's an alien attack. By the way, it's not not we. It's not just in fiction. We talked about it yesterday. The actual United Nations treaty, space treaty. That's right. Says that all of uh, space belongs to all countries of the world equally. So it right. unites us. It unites us in the sort of a chauvinistic way, where we are excluding anyone. So it's very interesting that in order to have unity, you have to have exclusion as well, which reminds me of the old Yiddish joke, um, Achtus an Kegin Vamen. Right? Unity against, against whom? whom? I mean, does, does all, type, all unity imply that? Um, maybe not in theory, but quite often in practice. The best way to unite people is against a common enemy. Right. 
And that's that's what that's what Charlie McCarthy played. That's on. what Charlie McCarthy played on. He played on everyone's fear. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Pesach is coming. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have any actual uh, deep thoughts to to share? Yeah, I do have some deep thoughts to share, to ruminate on. Um. You want you want any any more? Uh, as long as you're going to be ostracized from the puppeteering community. Do I have any it? other hot takes yeah. on puppetry? Yeah, puppetry or anything related. No, I'm on, on one foot. No, I can't think of any other uh, other puppet related hot takes that I have. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what did you feel about? Uh, I will tell you yeah. one. Th- this isn't a hot take, but this is when I I right. sometimes give like puppeteering crash courses, and the, and there's there's three parts of it. I'm not going to do, do all three, but there's one one thing, one l- rule. Is, is if you can even at home, those that are watching at home can do this right now. If you do a puppet with your hand, or you pick up a puppet you have nearby, and you just have the puppet say like, "Hello, my name is Mr. Puppet Steinberg," or whatever, right? But do do it, do it. Hello. You just did it, right? Do you know that you did it? You said hello. You closed your mouth. On the opposite. It should really be hello. Right. You want to open up before you Instead can talk. Of, hello. You closed on the sound I as opposed hello, to hello, which is complete. It should be hello. Because if you try to do that with your face, close your mouth before you make I mean, a sound, you can't do it. Right. You got to open your mouth. That's so interesting. To talk. Why is that? Why do people do that? Yeah. I don't know. I think, well, I don't know. It's so interesting. It's the opposite. It's literally the opposite. Maybe it has hello. Like, some, it's like like you're biting the word, not letting it come out. Maybe there's it's something about the difference between like Dibur and Maisa is like our hands are made to grab. Like that's what we're used. That's the action when we're if we're acting with our hands. We're hands. It, 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 it's counterintuitive to let go. See, your mouth lets go. It opens in it order opens. to express itself. Right. But your hand grabs in order to express itself. Well, that's right. And, and, and to let go is very counterintuitive, almost like counter to our survival instinct. Because when, when it's a life and death situation, you grab on tight. You mm-hmm. open your mouth and you yeah. let out a voice and you gr- take your hand and you grab on to whatever you can grab on to. So the hand wants to grab on. The mouth wants to right. release. So I've I've trained my hand the other way to the extent that sometimes when I made like animatronic puppets where I have to like push down on the button or like do the action on the on the offbeat like I can't do it, I have, it that would rewire my brain so I have to program it to be able to. It's like the guy learned how to ride the backwards bike. And Tell then me he, about the backwards bike, man. You know about the backwards bike? Guy made a bike that when you turn it right it goes left you turn it left it goes right and he fell like a hundred times and then he learned how to ride it and then the funny thing is they put him on a regular bike and, and then he fell and he fell off i know there was a guy who had glasses that made everything upside down for a while and then he got used to it that would be hell and then he took it off yeah. and everything was upside down to him yeah everything was weird i would that would just uh, be torture wow Okay, so uh, you want to talk about Pesach? Yeah, please. The the idea here, other than the fact that David's in town, and so we want to uh, just do some fun stuff, is that 
<clears throat> we figure people are Pesach cleaning. That's what I'm figuring. Uh-huh. And, yeah, oh, you, you just, just put this on in the background? And you just put okay, because I felt terrible <clears throat> that we've just wasted a be- an hour of people's precious time. Because they can't turn li- it off. Listening to, to puppetry fun facts. You, you want to know who's listening to this right now? Nobody. When is anyone going to listen to this? At 3 in the morning is going to be either some lady who's like boiling three work three weeks worth of 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 borscht or it's going to be some guy who's trying to find a home depot that's open till 1 in the morning so he can buy cardboard to put down on the on the countertop or whatever you know the, all the fun pesach stuff that okay. goes on and they're going to be listening to this on one and a half speed I'm being generous to say one and a half. Okay, I didn't want to say the truth. Okay, mm-hmm. double speed, and uh, they don't. Really I can't care. listen to anything on double speed. One yeah. one seven five is my max. Mm-hmm. But go on, and uh, they're just enjoying the fact that they're getting some clean humor. They don't have to worry that we're going to talk about anything offensive or racy or or uh, off color, so they know it's safe. And uh, maybe they'll get a little bit of Jewish content, a little Yiddish teichen thrown in there. And some of them actually appreciate this. There's a guy out there like the Charlie McCarthyism joke. <laughs> he liked it. Yeah. He chuckled. This is for you. And if you, if you chuckled at the Charlie McCarthyism joke, we would like to hear from you. <laughs> and we'll give you a soul words yarmulke. Oh. This is a yarmulke. Uh, you can't really see it. Now people are going to say they like the joke just for the Yamaka. You have to explain the joke then. Don't just say that you like. You have to explain the joke. Why it, it was meaningful to if you. If you contact us, if you uh, <clears throat> you you email rabbi at soulwords.org, R-A-B-B-I dot, no, no, R-A-B-B-I at soulwords, S-O-U-L-W-O-R-D-S dot org, and explain why the Charlie McCarthyism joke was funny to you, and you'll get a Soul Words yarmulke mailed anywhere in the United States. I'm not sending it outside of the United States. Mailed anywhere inside the United States. That's the deal. Okay. It's Pesach. So Pesach. Pesach is Pesach. The mouth that speaks. Pesach. Pesach. Okay. Not Pesach. That's not a mouth that speaks. That's a mouth that doesn't speak. It's the opposite. And uh, Pesach's about speaking. It's about telling the story. The Haggadah is a story. Haggadah actually means telling. Like a Magid is one who tells stories. And Haggadah is a booklet that guides you in telling the story. Did you, I'm sorry, do you mind if I veer off? Did you Did you look at that letter from the Semach that I sent you a couple no, weeks ago? No, I didn't. It was a Semach explaining to 
I, be, I believe in the in the footnote it said that it was it was meant to be seen by authorities. I don't know if someone said I wrote it to the authorities or wrote it to somebody else to give to the authorities to explain to them the difference between Hasidim and Misnagdim. And I'm using the term Misnagdim because that's the term that the Semitic uses in the letter. Um, but trying to explain why they need why there's different shoals. Mm. And why and and so he explains why there's different shoals. So he told them about the guy who was uh washed up on a desert island. <laughs> uh <laughs> he didn't tell that joke. And if Chaim Cohn were here, he'd appreciate. Because you told the punchline? Well, right. I know didn't, you didn't tell the punchline. You didn't even tell I the told the setup of the joke without without actually telling the just, joke. Yeah, we all know it. We all know the joke. All right. Um but yeah, so so part of it was that yeah, there's different that each shul has a different nusach, and you have to have a different shul because you're down a different nusach. Right. Um, and then he starts explaining that he says there's two different types of rabbis. There's a rabbi who yeah gives a, a socked in who you a ruling, a halachic yeah, ruling. A hal- yeah, some right. sort of sock in halacha that you you ask a shaila to, and uh, the chicken kosher. And is the chicken kosher, and then there's a rabbi who is a magid who speaks to people. Uh, this is why I thought of it, because you were talking about That's very interesting. And he says, this is what he says, is that the difference is there are, that not all Magidim are particularly great. I'm not going to, that's a, 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 a personal subject for you of like rating how good public speakers are. So, but um, some people have different talents and whatever, not necessarily as the local guy going to be the best Magid. Right. Sometimes you have to get somebody from out of town. And so you, there's, there's, a, you can, there's a different way to prioritize. Do you prioritize getting the best guys to come in from out of town and speak and go, or they go around from town to town talking, but you don't have constant, uh, it's not constant. Or you have a local guy who can speak to people all the time and there's there a, a constant influence. Yeah. And, these, and the Tzema said that's a difference between the Hasidic community and the non-Hasidic community is that the Hasidic community prefer fewer Magidim, uh, but have them travel around. Less quantity, more quality. And the Misnagdim re- prefer to have more uh, more consistent right. influence from, from the Magid and have the local ones. And he says, and he says specifically, like, both are... are Valid ways of doing it. They're just different ways. Elu ve'elu, they're both valid yeah. approaches, but our approaches yeah. have less speeches, but better ones when you have them. Yeah. Right. That's fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I don't know if that if, if that's still a difference, if the cultures have changed, but I thought that was an interesting distinction. You know, when the Alter Rebbe was being interrogated, the, the Tamach Tzedek's grandfather, the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe, so when he was in prison, they were interrogating him and one of the things they were trying to uh, determine was whether or not he had created a new religion. The whole story, the whole background, why the Russians were nervous about new religions. But the Kitzer, because, you know, we talk, we're talking about the 1790s, so there had just uh, been a revolution in France. And apparently a lot of the revolutionaries in France were involved in new religions, like, uh, you know, I don't even know what the new religions were in 1780s uh, France, but, uh, you know, it would be like today, like Scientology. Hi, Scientology. Um, or, uh, you know, even Mormonism, you know, it's like very, very new, right? It's a new new religion. So, uh, 
the Russians were very nervous about new religions because they didn't want there to be a revolution, and they thought if someone had a new religion that it could be part of a revolutionary mm-hmm. movement. Now, of course, we know that 110 years later there was, or 120 years later there was a revolution anyway, and uh, they overthrew the czar. But the Al-Tarebbe had to prove that he was not starting a new religion or part of a new religion. And one of the ways he had to do so is they asked him, where do you get the material for your sermons? Like okay. that, was, that was a big line of question. Where do you get the material for your sermons? And he said, I get them from Kabbalah. And he mentioned Svodim that didn't really surprise me. Like I, I was... I saw it and I was like, yeah, it makes sense. He said, you know, Kisva Arizal, Eitz Chaim from Chaim Vital. But what, one of the things that really surprised me is he said, Shefatal. Okay. Shefatal is not, I, I wouldn't think of that as like your uh, top four or five Svarim, but he said the Shefatal. Shefatal was the nephew of the uh, of the shalah and uh, what's interesting is the, the Al-Tarebbe doesn't mention the shalah mm. and I was always told that on the Sharblad of Tanya it says peace forum peace sofrim that the shalah was one of the sofrim mm. but he doesn't mention there and the, it was a deposition to the to the state anyways the, the a lot of the questions were about his his uh, his sermons, and he explained like what the function of a maggid is, and how often they speak, and he, he and and what they speak about, and then it, it kind of like it occurred to me, like, it reminded me now by telling me about this letter from the Tzemach Tzedek, it occurred to me. That the Alter Rebbe, we call him the Alter Rebbe because he was the the original Rebbe of Chabad, and others call him the Balatanya, but uh, or some people call him the Rav Shulchan Aruch Rav. But do you know contemporaneously to the Alter Rebbe how people referred to him, especially uh, in the, in the, well in the, in the early during his early leadership, but a, the, the way he was referred to. The Yojna Magid. Oh, I think I have heard that before, but that, I, it's not on the top of my head. Yojna Magid. I mean, later he went to Liadi, but uh, he was referred to as Yojna Magid, the Magid of Yojna. Like that was considered his primary. You know, it's like when you, when you when you have to write like a short bio, and you have to like write like a few words. So you're like, renowned speaker. And you're always like, renowned speaker? Like, what does that even mean? Uh, renowned. Who, who? Is there any way to quantify that? Is there any way to back that up? Speaker. Even the word speaker. Everyone speaks. What, what does it mean? He got up at his cousin's Sheva Brachas and he, he said, Avort? Like, what, what's, what's renowned speaker? It seems like a silly thing to write. I mean, you want to write, you know, that somebody is the rabbi of a particular congregation. Okay, that's an actual position. Renowned speaker is not a position. And yet it seems that historically that that was a position. And it was like a very defined role. 
And that's why what, what you're telling me is fascinating about uh, what the Tzemach Tzedek wrote. I was wondering if when he, if with this, the, in the letter from the Tzemach Tzedek when he was talking about the Amagin and the Hasidic community, if he was trying to explain, I was I wonder, wondering if he was trying to explain the concept of a Rebbe or like, mm. or or if he was just talking about regular, a regular Magid. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Uh, well, in the times of the Tzemach Tzedek, the Tzemach Tzedek himself um, had Chassidim. I think that was like the largest growth period of Chabad historically as far as numbers. So he had Chassidim from a very large region, geographically speaking. So there would have been Chassidim of the Tzemach Tzedek who rarely saw him. So I don't know if that's what he was referring to, the idea that these that that he was the Magid and that they saw that they didn't hear him. How often did a Tzemach Tzedek hear a mimer from the Tzemach Tzedek? You know, could be once a year, could even be once in like, a lifetime. Yeah, maybe it was explaining this idea of having this one central figure for a larger community that spread out and that they don't always. And they had Mashpiyim who would go around from town to town. That was more common. Like the story of the the Mitler Rebbe, who the, the Mashpia came to him and said, "When I go to Chazer Chsidis, I feel very good about how well I'm delivering the the mimer. The, it's causing me gaiva. It's causing me arrogance." He told him, that you should even if you become an onion, which that, that itself is a what does that mean? Um, but you should continue to uh, to teach Chsidis. But uh, yeah, those were mashpiyim. They would they would give chazara of my modem. They weren't magidim. Mm. It's different than a magid, right? So maybe it's maybe he's referring to to uh, a rebbe. The dubna magid had uh, there's a story that another magid came to him once and said, "I don't understand. How come you're so much more popular than me? We both know that a magid at the end of the day." There's, you just go on WhatsApp and you see what you know what vertolach people are forwarding around, and that's it. You know how many vertolach are there? How many stories are there? How many uh, how many jokes are there? And basically, what you do, and we all we all do the same thing. You take the same vort, and you know from one out of a thousand vertolach, and from one out of a thousand jokes, and you just move it around and you put it together. And how come you're so much more popular than me? We do the same thing. So. Um, the Dubna Magid told the guy, he's like, well, let me, I'll tell you a mushal for that, which was his thing. I was, I have a mushal for that. So he says, the one, there were once two Ganovim, there were two thieves, and these thieves specialized in, in shoes. They would steal shoes. But one of them would steal shoes and sell the shoes. The other one would steal shoes until he had enough shoes to start, taking apart the shoes and swapping the parts. So he would take the buckle from one and put it on another, and he would take the, the heel from one and put it on a different one until he had original styles and he became a fashion designer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he said, you're right, we're both getting off him, right? We're both just recycling the same old stuff. But if, you're, uh, if you put it together in a new way, so then, uh, then you're a fashion designer. So it's about uh, how you put it together. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard that before. I really like that. 
Yeah. All right, you were talking about Pesach, Haggadah. Yeah, Haggadah, right, right. Yeah, right. means the telling. Haggadah means the telling. means tell it. Tell it. Tell the story. And mitzvah aleinu l'saper b'tzias mitzrayim. L'saper means to tell a story. Sipur is a story. Also, l'saper means to shine. That's a chassidish avort. L'saper b'tzias mitzrayim. To polish yourself, to shine yourself, to make yourself glow. Yeah, so uh, what was I thinking about that? I don't know. I assumed you were going somewhere. I was. No, you're the dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Were you thinking about it before we started talking or like during while we were talking it came up into your head? Like if I go back through some of the ideas that we're talking about, does that help? Or Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's going to take too long. And then the guy who's sitting... In front of the Home Depot that's open at one a.m. It's not a Home Depot. There's no Home Depot open at one a.m. But he's don't, yeah, don't. He's, I'm, I'm spreading false people, hope. Lead people off course. <laughs> I am spreading false hope, especially because this guy just he stormed out at eleven p.m. and he told his wife there are no Home Depots open at one a.m. and he got in the car and he turns on Spotify and he's hearing me saying he's looking for the Home Depot open at one a.m. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to apologize. I'm gonna apologize anyway. But now I'm okay. So no, there. But there may there may be a super wall. Walmart. Yeah, maybe. Are they called Super Walmarts? Super Duper Walmarts. There was a such thing called a Super Kmart, but now there's no more Kmart at all. I think it's called, what's the big Walmart called? Big Walmart. So there's probably a big Walmart open at 1 a.m. There's a guy going there looking for corrugated plastic right now. He's walking in. He's like looking for someone with the, with, what do they have, the blue aprons at Walmart? I don't know. I don't go to Walmart yeah, very go to often. Walmart? Not very often, no. Uh-huh. And he's looking around and says, is there any corrugated plastic? That guy just left with a whole cart of fun. No! Why would the other Jewish guy came yeah. at 1 a.m. Because oh, he was sitting in the parking lot? He was sitting in the parking lot listening yeah. to Charlie McCarthyism. Right. And then, we... and then he paused. He was like, oh, I want to get that yarmulke. And he was, Rabbi at, at oh, was it soulwords.org or soulwords.com? Hold on. And he went back to Spotify, and then he went back too far. And then he went in, and somebody and beat him to it. And then he went in. He's like, corrugated plastic. Like, that guy just left with a whole cart of it. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> See what you did? I ruined a guy's life. His whole family's how life. Did, how did I ruin his life? By making you think, trying to think of the interesting thing you were trying to say? Yeah. By taking too long. And now some guy is going to let down his whole family. We were talking about pup- puppetry rules. Open your mouth when you talk. You were talking about Pesach, your mouth that speaks. We are talking about Haggadah. Haggadah is speaking. You know, speaking, you know, the mouth, it's open your mouth. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So there was a shul where nobody would daven together. It was terrible. They just couldn't. Daven together. And he had one guy saying, Vahalei made a glad yofin law. And the other guy saying, Harchapichov amalehu. If anybody got that joke and chooses to be offended, you don't have to get that joke. Interesting. And I think if you do get that joke, you can handle it. And the kind of people who can't handle that joke don't get it. 
Kind of like Tyler McCarthyism. <laughs> Do you think there are people who, if they got the Charlie McCarthyism joke, they'd be like, oh, too soon? Um, yeah. Oh, sure. Too soon. Oh, sure. I'm sure there are people that would be very offended that you're joking about McCarthyism. Mm. Yeah, sure. I mean, not that long ago. Yeah. No, I look, I admit Charlie McCarthy ruined a lot of lives. <laughs> I I'm not I'm not denying that. Uh yeah. So uh There's 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 a pasuk that says in Torah, "Shomer es chaydish ha'aviv v'asisa pesach l'Hashem." I think that's the pasuk. You, you can Google it. It's why our calendar is the way it is. So, is that, um, well, it's related to why our calendar is the way that it is. Yes, very good. That one of. Uh, one of the signs, well, now we have a calendar that's set up in advance, but what, one of the signs that you need a leap year is when uh, spring is going to be uh, too soon. You need, you need to push it off. So uh, if you don't have a leap year, then Pesach will end up getting sooner and sooner and sooner because of the shortfall. Because a lunar year, 12 times 29 and a, and a quarter, a fraction is not uh, 365 in a fraction, which is a solar year. So you're going to have a shortfall every year. It's just going to get sooner and sooner. So what you got to do is add a, a, a leap month every so often. By the way, I want to say that I think Ramadan just started. Did it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to the Muslims watching, is it appropriate to say happy Ramadan? I don't, I don't, I don't know the appropriate any rate, greeting. But... I, I believe it's Ramadan right now. And why am I mentioning Ramadan? Only because it's interesting to me because I can think about through my lifetime. Um, April 1st. April 1st. So it's coming right up. Um, where Ramadan has been in the winter. Ramadan's been in the summer. Ramadan, because the Islamic calendar, to my understanding, is purely lunar. It's pure, it does, and does not attempt to reconcile with the solar year. And that's why Ramadan at different, at different times will just go around the seasons. So really, if you've got the money to do so, I want to just, to my Muslim friends, I want to recommend something to you. This is a little life By habit. the way, the proper, the, according to Google, the proper greeting is, and I'm not going to pronounce this correctly. Yeah. I could spell it like I did with Bunraku, but I'm going to, it's Ramadan Mubarak. Oh, Mubarak, yeah. I mean, it's like a, bl a Blessed. Yeah. Blessed Ramadan. Oh, that means it's like Mubarak? Yeah. Is that what it means? Yeah, that's what, according to Google, I might oh, have a have a blessed Ramadan. Filled with Ramadan blessings. Anyways, that's great. So, um, what was I saying? I don't know. Oh, I have a life hack for my Muslim friends. Yes. I figured this out. Maybe you figured it out too, but from a Jewish cousin, I want to share something with you. I figured out there are different fast days um, in the Jewish calendar. Now, one of them is Yom Kippur, which is... A, 26 hours and there's nothing you can do about that it's just it is it's 26 hours because it's before sundown till the after the next day's sundown but there are fast days that are from sunrise to sunset 
And what you do is, not that I ever did this, but I came up with this idea years ago, is that, like, let's say... You wake up at 4 in the morning and have a cup of coffee like people tell you to do? No, I do that. 4 in the morning coffee, I almost always do that. Do you wake up or stay up? All right. It's my personal business, David. Okay. (laughs) But at any rate, um, what you do is like this. Let's say it's like uh, a Sarabatavis. That's always in the winter in the Jewish calendar. So that's a good time, right? That fast is over by like 4.30, 5 p.m., mm-hmm. worst case. But then let's say like Shiva Asabatamos, which is always like July. So what do you do? You go to Australia. Mm, right. You go to the southern hemisphere where the seasons are reversed and it's winter over there. So it's not really worth it for one day. It's like you can dream about it. But, like- but what I would do... If I were you, I want to recommend, and you can send me your uh, right what, uh, mash that subscribe button. And if you disagree with our Ramadan hack, let us know in the comments. That's right. What I would do if I were you is when Ramadan is like in December, or January, or whatever. So then you stay in the northern hemisphere. What? What did you say? But if Ramadan is in like June or July, yeah. then you go to the southern hemisphere, mm-hmm. go to Argentina or go to South Africa or go to Australia. Now, I just realized that I'm really only suggesting something that is good for people who have my body clock. Because there's some Muslim guy listening to me right now and is like, oh, I'm going to do that. That rabbi said that. That, I, that sounded good. But... Nebuch, he's he's a, he's an early riser, oh. and he gets up at five a.m. no matter what, and he's like, "I've been hungry for twelve hours. This is awful." <laughs> so part of the hack is you, you have to be somebody who wakes up. I don't want to say late, but you're not rushing to wake up with the crack of dawn. And then when sunset comes in at four p.m., it's like, "Oh, this is great. The day was only like five and a half hours long." Right. Take that to the bank. Okay? Just trying to be helpful. I'm just trying to help. I think it is helpful. Okay. Anyways. Did you remember your deep thought about Pesach? So it's the springtime. It says keep the month of the spring and make a Pesach, make a Paschal offering to the Lord. And... uh, Yeah, so where did I see this? I think it was a Micht of Klali, actually, where, you know, the Lubavitcher Rebbe wrote letters a few times a year, open letters, pastoral letters. Pastoral letters? That's what they're called. That's what technically it's called. And um, he says, what does... Oh, Pesach is called Chag Ha'aviv, the spring festival. So what is the meaning of that name? Like... Pesach has many names. Pesach, which means jumping. So everything has to be instructive. Everything in Torah, Torah, Melosh, and Hero has to be a director, has to be teaching you to do something. So Pesach, the message of Pesach, that's a message, which is, it means jumping, skipping. It means, uh, you know, don't don't, uh, necessarily respect convention when you need to do something good just you know fast forward get the results done 
Um, then there's a, the Chaga Matzos. Matzos, the flat bread, re- represents humility. So there's an instruction. There's a teaching. It's telling you to do something, telling you to be humble, telling you to flatten your ego. Or uh, Zman Cheruseinu. It's also called Zman, Zman Cheruseinu. means the time of our liberation. So that, that's telling you to do something. It means to behave like a free person and don't... Uh, don't don't feel uh, beholden to these made up rules that really, uh, you know, if 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 you if you would have realized that when you were eleven years old you really didn't have to listen to adults, how much better your life would be, right? Well, now you're the adult. Why are you still listening to you? Just stop doing it. Just do what you got to do and stop being intimidated by this adult voice that's telling you rules and just. All right. Anyways. Um, that's that's his But Chedish or Chag Ha'aviv, the festival of the springtime. What is that telling you? How is it instructive? How is it instructive? Because and and this is the premise of the question. The seasons actually it says I think Yirmiyo says he calls the seasons Chukim. Chukim means laws but it's also related to the word hakika engravings mm-hmm. in other words the seasons are like engraved in nature laws of nature the laws of nature right there's nothing you can do about it you can't resist it when it's springtime it's springtime there's nothing you can do um in fact after the the flood one of the things that god promises humanity through noah is that he's not going to mess with the seasons, right? The seasons are set. They're set. Okay. So if you tell somebody, I'm going to teach you, uh, somebody says, Rabbi Tal, please teach me an inspiring life lesson, you say it's springtime. Right. And it's like, well, it's going to be spring regardless of anything I do, so how is, where's the human? What am I supposed to do with that? Right, what am I supposed to do with that? Spring is spring, whether I want it to be spring or not, whether I vote, oh yeah, I vote. I I agree that it should be spring. We don't need your vote. We don't need your consent. Spring is gonna. And if you say no, I won't let it be spring. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. Whether you want it to be springtime or not, spring is gonna come, whether you want it or not. So where's the instruction or the the? There's no better choice we can make that we're being taught about. Right, right. There's, there's no choice at all to be made. Yeah. So that's an interesting question, right? That's a very interesting question. Yeah. You think about it, like, I, I just, I, I like that idea that, like, it comes down to making better choices. Like, all of the lessons, everything should be like, all right, so this is giving me some sort of tool to make a better choice than, than I previously have been making. But in what, in what way does springtime do that for us? Yeah, exactly. So, uh... Here's the thing. In life, there are some things that we can choose and some things that we have no choice over. What's the expression about death and taxes? What is what? I think that uh, like all things are avoidable in life except for death and taxes. Okay. Right. Isn't that uh Have taxes are taxes in taxes in in the United States are the tax filing data is in the spring. 
Is that common, like currently across globally, or and also throughout time, or is that just a unique thing about? That's a very good question. By the way, uh, nothing is certain but death and taxes is a proverb that means one cannot avoid the the inevitable. The origin of the phrase is generally attributed to Benjamin Franklin. Everything attributed. Yeah. If you're ever in doubt, Mark Twain or Benjamin Franklin. Just okay. it is a good question whether tax day is universally in the springtime. Um, if you think about machetzes shekel, mm-hmm. it's in Chaydish Adar, which is always the springtime. So there is a biblical basis for tax collection happening in the spring. <laughs> Maybe related to agriculture. Not really sure about that. But that's interesting because if taxes is related to the springtime, then it's very related to the idea here that spring represents that which is inevitable. And that's really the idea here. There are certain inevitabilities in life. There are certain laws of nature in the universe, such as when spring comes, there's nothing you can do about it. Spring's coming, okay? And then in the microcosm, there are laws of nature that govern the human being. So... You got to eat. You got to sleep. That, th- there's nothing you can do about that. You can push it off. You know, it talks about in Gemara, and the Rambam brings it as halacha. If somebody takes a, a vow or an oath that he's not going to sleep for three days, so they give him uh, lashes for violating the oath, and then they put him to bed because there's no such thing. There's no way. He's going to have to sleep. Wait, they put him to bed immediately? Yeah, they beat him up and put him to bed. Has because... he been attempting to stay up at some point? Or do they do it immediately, you Wait, said? Hold on one second. Before he even starts. Hello? Is this Avram Abba? Avram Abba, I'm here with Fetu David, <clears throat> with beloved Uncle David, and we're live. We're live on YouTube. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you want to just you wanna say hello? You're on speaker. To the world. Yeah. Say hi. Uh, hello to everybody. Thank you, Abba. Okay. Um, can I call you back? Or is this the only time you can talk? You know that uh, Label Shemtov got engaged today? That's tough. Yeah. Okay. So, when when do you want to talk? For this portion of the program, while we're waiting for my brother to end his phone call, I'm going to make whale sounds. We got to we got to break soon anyway because of mincha. Uh, and that's one of the inevitabilities. Okay, so let me tell you about the inevitability. So you got to eat. You got to sleep. You got to go to the bathroom. You know, biological needs can be pushed off but never avoided. In the end, you have to face the facts. So here is the lesson of Chag Ha'aviv, to celebrate the spring. It's very interesting, by the way, because celebrating the spring is a universal pagan 
right. Like Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, which caused riots, by the way. You don't know that? When they performed Stravinsky's Rite of Spring. What, did it cause riots? Yeah, because it was musically so cutting edge. It was so exciting that it just made people go, no, go nuts? No, it was disturbing. Oh, it was disturbing? Yeah. Yeah, it was so disturbing it caused riots. Wow. Yeah. I, I know that about the song My Way. It apparently causes the violence. The My Way song has caused a rash of um, murders called the My Way killings, but that's endemic to the Philippines, or maybe even more specifically, Manila. In Manila, there's been uh, what, what are called the My Way killings. Uh, people get up at karaoke bars, which are very... <clears throat> people think I'm joking. This is not a joke. This is not like Charlie McCarthyism. <clears throat> people get up at karaoke bars. Karaoke is popular in a lot of Asian cultures. And they get up at karaoke bars in Manila, in the Philippines, and they sing Frank Sinatra's My Way. I believe it's specifically Frank Sinatra's My Way. Not uh, any of the covers. Right. And, and remember what you said before about parodies. I think Elvis's My Way was a parody. Okay. I think it was. Um, and at the very least, Johnny Rotten's My Way was a, okay. was it Sid Vicious? Sid Vicious. I think it was Sid Vicious. Yeah, he was Jewish, right? I have no idea. I think he was. You want to Google that? I think Sid Vicious was Jewish. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, in so in Manila, in the Philippines, people will get shot in a karaoke bar for singing um, My Way. And the explanation is that it's considered an arrogant song. So you're like taunting the crowd. Hey, I did it my way. And like, yeah, who are you to do it your way? And then you get up and you shoot the guy singing my way. Yeah. It's worse than what happened to Chris Rock. You found out Sid Vicious is Jewish? I'm not saying anything. Okay. Anyways. Um, inevitabilities. Inevitabilities. So you can't push off certain facts. Um, so that's the lesson of Chaga. Okay, so so Chaga. Uh, Why are we celebrating this. that? Okay. Oh, and I was saying the pagans they love. Oh, oh, okay. So listen, the pagans. Oh, yeah. Pagans. Okay. People against goodness and normalcy. So the pagans, you know what? Oh, like Stravinsky's Rite of Spring, which was actually about paganism. Okay. Or it, I don't think it's real Avedazora. I think it was his attempt at like what. Avedizara would look like, so I think it's just his made-up thing. You have, to, you have to ask someone who's in the Sanhedrin whether or not Stravinsky's Rite of Spring is actual Avedizara. I think it's 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 Avedizara like the 16-year-olds in the forest are devil worshippers. Like, okay. right, yeah. They're like making it up as they go along. At any rate, um, what was I saying? So the pagans love the spring, but why do the pagans love the spring? Because they love the inevitability of the power of nature. They say, because nature is so powerful, you have to surrender to it. And by the way, Hitler Yamachshamay was a pagan, and he wrote about the power of nature, and that's why he said that the, the weak must be destroyed. He said the Jewish people, they taught, now I'm going to get the real good uh, YouTube comments coming in, but he said that... You're that, quoting Mein Kampf on your... Your podcast. So he said that the, the Jews convinced everybody through Christianity. They convinced everyone to let the weak survive. But the law of nature is that the weak have to be destroyed so that the power of nature can prevail. So the pagans, they love the power of nature, but they roll over for it and they say, "That's it. Just the power of nature. Let it, let it have its way with me." If 
and that's what they worship. They worship, worship nature. Lahavdil, the Jewish perspective, which is embodied in the notion of Chaga Aviv, is it is inevitable. Certain things are laws of nature. You have to eat. You have to sleep. You have to procreate. You have to go to the bathroom. These things are inevitable. But when you have to do it, do it like a mensch. In other words, being a mensch doesn't mean being an angel where you don't have biological mm. needs, but it doesn't mean being an animal where you surrender to your biological needs. Being a mensch means, yeah, inevitably I'm going to have to eat. At some point I have to eat, but when I eat, let me make sure the food that I eat is kosher, let me make a blessing on it, let me have intention that I'm eating it in order to have nutrition to serve Hashem and to do acts of goodness and kindness. So the lesson of Chodesh Aviv and Chag Aviv, the festival of the springtime, is that when the inevitable happens, when nature takes its course, you sanctify it. So all of our biological needs and functions have a holy way of being performed. That's the lesson. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Basically, there's choices you can make even when there's no choices. There are choices to make even when there are no choices, and that's the real freedom. The freedom is the choice you make when you've been given no choice. You're sitting on the train. You're going to get from point A to point B. You're no sitting matter on what. the train. The train's going to go to the station. But there's a million things you can do while so you're on while the train. you're sitting on the train. Are you going to play solitaire, or are you going to open a safer and learn something? Right. That's right. I busk on the train. Well, if you need money, you busk with your puppets. Uh, no. I, I busk playing the saxophone, but while I have a puppet, which is also busking, doing something completely different, they can do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. so. I once got on a subway car and I tried to do the uh, gymnastics flipping around on the handrails. Is that a busking? Thing? Oh, you haven't been to New York, huh? I came to New York for two days and I'm sitting here. I didn't here. take you on the subway. So if you go on the subway, yeah, these very athletic young men will jump when the doors are about to close, they'll just jump aboard and they'll grab onto the handrails. They start flipping around and like like the Jesse White tumblers, but on a but on a subway train. And it's very impressive. So you tried to do that once. Yeah. And it didn't end okay. well. Okay, I found this on the web for its very. Check it out. Go away, Siri. Go away. So you can't control the robot apocalypse. That's outside of your control. But, right. when, it but happens, when it happens, you can be a mensch. You didn't have to yell at Siri. Now we've come full circle to all of those who, have I, who, who whom I have offended, including now Siri. Yeah. Okay. I think and also yeah. anybody who who themselves, if they're still alive, or their ancestors were victims of Charlie McCarthy and his terrible witch hunts. Also, I apologize. Yeah. 
Anything else we want to say? For what was the point? Is yeah, the things you can't even 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 when things are out of your control, you can make choice about how you. Even when things are out of out of your control, you can make choices about how you do them. Mm -hmm. So you're gonna have to eat, but eat like a mensch. And other facts, biological facts of the human condition. See, I'm keeping it clean here. Because mm -hmm. maybe somebody's Pesach cleaning and their 15-year-old kid is home from yeshiva and he's listening. Right. And they say, oh, you know what? They, they, you should listen to... Listen Rabbi, to Blood Brothers. It's so Rabbi cute. Chase Taub and his brother David. And I got, a, I got news for you. Whatever I'm talking about here, in the dorm rooms, <laughs> they could find a lot worse. Okay, so halavai, the worst thing they should hear is uh, Charlie so, McCarthy. So does this connect brothers. to Senior Wences also, even though he, he was doing a ventriloquism act, which by its very nature is antagonistic yeah. and mean, mean-spirited, he chose to be a mensch about it and be loving and generous. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that's a great example because I don't think ventriloquism is inherently... Force of nature. <laughs> I don't think it's a force of nature. Here's the ventriloquism's coming. There's nothing we can do about nothing it. Nothing we can do about it. <laughs> we can't stop it. In 24 hours, this whole planet's going to be covered with nothing but guys. I, by the way, I think that is how anybody who has ever seen a ventriloquism act on stage has has felt. Is This is coming and there's nothing I think I audiences feel yes. that way. Yes. This right. is a force of nature that I cannot stop. Right. But yeah. I can sit and learn chitas while, while the ventriloquist is doing his thing. Yeah. Just, just, just like, or it, you know, I can be a kind and, and, and respectful audience to the ventriloquist. Make him point out the things I like. Right. <sighs> you think there's a correlation between ventriloquists and mean-spirited humor? Because I think there is. And, and, I, and I would make a hackish between ventriloquists and prop comics. And I think there's a ridiculously high correlation between ventriloquists and prop comics and mean-spirited humor. Unfortunately, I think most comics uh, rely on mean-spirited humor. I yeah. think there are a lot of comedians who I hear it all the time claiming, like, you want to take this out of comedy? Like, this is, he's a comedian. He's allowed to say mean things. But, right. like, I, don't, I think it would be cool if we all decided it wasn't. Stop making fun of people. Stop being mean. Stop ripping on people. Yeah. Well, yeah, the entire world became like a junior high. Like, everyone's just ripping on each other. That's comedy. Comedy is ripping on people. Like, there's one thing, self-deprecating humor. You want, you want to laugh at yourself. Or even, you could say, like, punching up as a form of social criticism mm -hmm. or, or satire. Like, uh, like a Jonathan Swift or a George Carlin. By the way, you know there's someone from, like, NYU who wrote a paper once that had like in the subtitle Jonathan Swift to George Carlin. Something, yeah. <clears throat> After the colon. Right, after the colon, exactly. Something, something. Of right, something. right. Um, but just ripping on people. Just stop ripping on people. We got to stop it. Yeah, I agree. That is not a force of nature. And I just want to clarify that this is not against Chris Rock. <laughs> he was doing his job. Okay. Well, no, it's a, it's, it's 
not about any single person. It's, just it's about the culture of ripping on people. Why do we constantly rip on people? That's that's the only comedic fodder is to mock people uh, you and know, make fun I, of them. As somebody who makes a lot of jokes and is often paid to make jokes, um, first of all, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of the places that I have been paid to make jokes, there, there hasn't been any room for making. Like, that's not, it wasn't even an option. So that often challenged me to figure out, like, all right, there's got to be ways to be funny that isn't making fun of anybody. Right. And it is a challenging thing to, to, to do, and I think ultimately it, it, it uh, uh, encourages creativity, fosters creativity. You think that making fun of people is just it's easy. easy. It's too easy. It's like toilet humor. Toilet humor to me is above above making fun of people. Uh-huh. Because toilet humor at least is grappling with with the, the forbidden. Could you tell everyone your thing about the whoopee cushion that was labeled for mature audiences only. Or something. Didn't, I didn't talk thing? about this on here ever. I, maybe you did. Just say it again. Um, <laughs> Freebird. It's one of my favorite no. dubbing riffs. <laughs> Just that there was a, uh, a, a, a app on the, we, we got to wrap soon, right? Yeah, yeah. There was an app on the Google play store. It was like the flatulent sound app. And uh, it was marked as for um, marked for mature audiences. <laughs> for mature audiences, yeah, because like, oh, like this isn't. F- Listen, this is not for little kids. <laughs> this is for sophisticated. You have to be sophisticated to handle the flatulence noise app. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, talk about inevitabilities. It was inevitable that we would have scraped the bottom of the barrel <laughs> if we would stay on long enough. All right. Thank you, everybody. I'm going to play the bumpy music. Okay. Okay. Let's play the bumpy music. <laughs>